It's always good to be here. The greatest designation that any of us can ever have in life is the designation of being and knowing that we are children of God. Children are meant to grow. This is a good place to be for a child of God at age 72 or any age to keep growing. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's his command to all of us. It begins with recognizing that you are a child of God and as his child you need to grow in the likeness of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As children of God, we have a high and holy calling. Our calling is to make our Father known, our Lord Jesus known. Let the Holy Spirit so lead our lives that to be in our presence, others become aware not of us, but of him of his presence, a high and holy calling that begins in our hearts as he makes us to be fully devoted followers of Christ. A baptized believer is to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It all starts in your heart. When we're rearing our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it's something that starts in your heart. Your children are going to understand, because they're going to hear the words that you speak, what's happening in your heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Children will quickly catch what's happening in your heart. God wants us to so bring our hearts before him all the time. What we do when we take communion is to examine ourselves before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. It's a reminder that God wants us searching ourselves every day. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It all starts in your heart. The two best things that your children can see you doing is, number one, to, for them to come into some private room and see you on your knees praying for them. They'll remember that. And the second thing is that when they hear you speak, they hear your heart overflowing and you are speaking the words of God. Chris reminded us in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, these words which I command thee this day are to be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shall speak of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. All day long... Speaking the word of God because the word of God is in your heart. Now, folks, that takes practice. Takes repetition over and over and over again. We never give up. 
All of us know what that means as parents. We just don't give up. We keep going, keep going. My mother gave me a little poem when I was very young. She put it on a little, it was on a little placard in my bedroom. And I cannot tell you how many hundreds of times she read it to me when she saw my struggles. It was three little words, just try again. Their meaning is so very plain. Make use of them. They'll stand by you. Just try again and you'll get through. So in training our children, we repeat, when God is seeking to train us, he's aiming at our hearts. You know, you can be a preacher and you can stand at the back door and people come by and say, oh, you stepped on my toes today. And you say, oh, I am so sorry. I'm, I missed the mark. I was aiming at your heart. Because it's only what happens in your heart that's going to overflow from your life and make the difference in you and through you that God wants to make that you might become the fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ he wants you to be. Baptism begins in your heart. Heart. The greatest thing that can happen to any person on this earth is to know God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The longer you journey in life, the, the more you're going to find out I'm a sinner. The older you get, the more you're going to be aware, I'm the chief of sinners. When John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, was just about to die, he said, two things I've learned. An old, old man, a preacher, who had been a slave trader much earlier, but Jesus saved him and made the inside-out difference in him. And he, he said, two things I've learned. Number one, I'm a great sinner. And number two, Jesus is a great Savior. It all begins in your heart. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's not about being religious. It's about knowing God. This is the record that God has given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son in your heart has life. But he who has not the Son of God has not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all and no one can pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Do you know him in your heart? To as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you know him in your heart? I was 10 years old in September of 1957 when I came to know Jesus in my heart. He had been wrestling with me, literally, in my heart for some two years at least before that. 
trying to open my heart, ask me to open my heart and let him come in. But I was trying to figure out as a little boy how I could do it myself. I, I, I believed that as many times as my mother was spanking me, sooner or later all the sins would go away and I could be good enough to go to heaven some other way other than walking down some church aisle and being baptized in a baptistry. There had to be a better way. She didn't give up, but the sin didn't go away. One morning in a Sunday school department, the pastor came into the Sunday school and he gave a simple, simple, simple message about Jesus coming from heaven to earth to die on a cross for our sins. And if anyone would open your heart to Jesus, Jesus will come in and save you from your sin, cleanse you from all sin, and give you a new life in him. And he just asked these 10-year-olds seated there before him, do any of you want to ask Jesus into your heart right now? If you do, just come up here with me and we'll go into this little room here beside us and we'll pray. And that morning, I got up and went up there to the pastor and then went into that little Sunday school room and I prayed and Jesus came into my heart. And I knew he was there. And my eyes were filled with tears. And I started bawling. And I was up on the second floor of the First Baptist Church of Mount Pleasant. And my mother was on the first floor, just about right underneath me, teaching younger children. And I run down those stairs, and I run into her room, and I am just bawling. And she says, John, what's wrong? What's the matter? I said, in about a minute, trying to get it out, Mama, Jesus came into my heart. And she started bawling, too. I'll never forget it. That morning, I did walk down the aisle and publicly profess my faith in Jesus Christ. And then from there, I walked down the street. We only lived about two blocks from the church. And I sat down in a, a chair in the front room of my parents' home. And literally, it was as if for a 10-year-old boy, the weight of the world had been lifted off my shoulders. And all of a sudden, I sensed and I knew that I knew that Jesus Christ had come into my heart and he had cleansed me from all sin. And I could tell he had made that difference. That night, that very night, I was baptized with great joy in my heart because I wanted other people to know that I knew him. I wanted to make him known. It's one of the ways that you can tell that you're born again. When Jesus lives in your heart, he wants to show himself to others through you. He wants to make himself known. This is the greatest news that any human being on the face of this earth can ever, ever hear or experience. The good news of Christ dying for our sins on a cross being buried in a tomb, and being raised on the third day in victory over sin, over death, and over the grave. And he is alive to live in the hearts of all who will believe upon his name and bring with him the gift of eternal life. There isn't any better news, but it begins in your heart. In your heart. Not about being religious. Not about being good enough. It has to start in your heart.
When Jesus walked on this earth, he knew he was the Son of God. When he was 12 years old, his parents couldn't find him for three days. When they finally found him, he said to them, Don't you know I must be about my father's business? He knew who he was. But he lived there under the tutelage of his parents in their home with them until the time came for him to begin his public ministry. And when the time came for him to fulfill the mission that the father had sent him to do, the mission that God had said was going to be the mission of the Son from the foundation of the world, that he was the lamb slain before the creation of the world. That's who he always has been and always would be. But there came a time for him to publicly declare that he was on that mission. And so the first thing he did was to go to a man named John the Baptist, who was his cousin, who knew about him but didn't really understand all that he was until the time of his baptism when John saw the Holy Spirit come down upon him and he knew this was the one that God had told him he was going before to prepare the way for. And Jesus came there and John said, I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. Jesus said, no, we, you, we need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now, I think what he meant by that was he was referring to the fact that None of us in our own righteousness can ever merit heaven. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. A human being doing the best one can ever do in seeking in one's own strength to keep God's law will always fall way, way, way short. There isn't any way we can earn our way into heaven. We need a righteousness that is beyond the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Indeed, we need the righteousness that is found only in Jehovah Titzkenut, the Lord our righteousness, the one who is in his... In his in himself, righteousness, the Lord our righteousness. So Jesus came in his baptism to fulfill all righteousness by in his baptism identifying his life with those of us whom he had come to save. When he was baptized, he identified with us. Now, when he was baptized, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says he was made to be sin for us. He didn't have any sin, never once completely holy, but on that cross, he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. On the cross, he took our sin upon his, himself, and he gave to us his righteousness. When he was baptized, he identified with those whom he had come to save, and when we're baptized, we identify with the one who came to save us. He took our sins away that we might take or receive his righteousness into our hearts. It's all by faith. It's a miracle that God works in the hearts of all who know him. You know, you, you may not be 10 years old like I was when, when this happens to you. 
The oldest person that I ever had the privilege to baptize was 87. His wife had just died. She was a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and he knew that she had gone to heaven, and he knew that he had never received Christ into his heart, but he wanted to go where, she, where he knew she was. And so he called a young 28-year-old pastor to come to his home, and we talked about the good news of Jesus, and he asked Jesus to come into his heart, 87 years of age. Now, at First Baptist Church Keller back then, the, the baptism, baptismal was, baptism was up high. And we had to pull out these stairs, and you climbed up the stairs to get into the baptistry. He could not even come close to doing that. So his grandsons, his grandsons bought a horse trough just like that one, and they took it into his house. And two deacons and the young pastor went there, and we baptized this 87-year-old man. That man lived 11 more months, and in those 11 months, he only missed five Sundays, Sundays that he was ill, coming to church, and he sat on the front row with his family, smiling from ear to ear, because he was a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. When you know Jesus Christ, you know the change he's made in you, and you want others to know that too. And this man lived in such a way in those last days that there wasn't any doubt about it in any member of his family's hearts, including the great-great-grandchildren, that he was a child of God. Do you know Jesus in your heart? Are you a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ? He wants you to be. When you come to know him in your heart, you're on a new team. There was a lot of celebration around here last Sunday, Monday, when Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. All of that celebration will one day be remembered literally no more. Everything in this world passes away. God says to us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of the Father abides forever. Now, where is your greatest joy? In hoping that someday you'll win the Super Bowl? Or something like that, akin to that? Or knowing that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life forever? I had a friend, John and his sisters called him Uncle Billy. 
He used to wrestle with them on the carpet in our, on our living room floor after he had become a believer in Jesus Christ. He was in his 30s. He had grown up in Amarillo and then went to Texas A&M. He was the meanest player on their 1967 Cotton Bowl championship, or January 1st of 68 championship team. He was a two-time All-American middle linebacker. He was the least likely man on that team to ever come to know Jesus. His words said that all the time. If you wanted to walk past him on the A&M campus, you had to give him a quarter. But after pro football, watching television one night, hearing the good news of Jesus, knowing how empty his life was, he asked Jesus to come into his heart. And Jesus did. Now, he didn't get it all just like that and be changed all like that. He had a friend named Tommy Maxwell who was on that same championship team. And Tommy invited him to come and be a student at Dallas Theological Seminary. He did. But the influence of the Dallas culture kept pulling him back. And he knew he wasn't living as a fully devoted follower of Jesus. So he up and left Dallas and came to Amarillo, his hometown. And he turned on the TV and found somebody on TV that was a preacher. And he went to that church and demanded that right then and right there, that workday, weekday, that he get baptized. And he was. And he began to walk with Jesus. And the holiest day, the most exciting day of his life, the thing that he remembered most when people would would ask him, what's the happiest day you ever had, was the day that he was used for the first time in his life to help somebody else know Jesus and participate in that person's baptism that day. And when he knew that, he said, all of a sudden I knew that God really had chosen me to be on God's team and there wasn't anything better in all the world. He used to bring home a new car every year, a very expensive car to show off to his brothers and his sister and his parents. But after pro football, he couldn't afford those cars. But he had an old pickup, decades old pickup. And he began to drive that pickup and he put a horse trough in the back of that pickup and he put food in the back of that pickup and he took his young wife with him and they went down to the slums of San Antonio, Texas where the poorest of the poor lived and he stood at the back of, on the back of that pickup and he preached the good news of Jesus Christ and he gave them food and he asked them if they wanted to believe in Jesus and if they did, he baptized them in that horse trough on the back of his pickup. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to Billy Hobbs. A life changed inside out all because of Jesus. The Great Commission says, Jesus said, but you, 
said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. That's what we're about individually. That's what we're about as a body of believers. Jesus is our head. We're all a part of the body, and we get excited about making disciples for Jesus Christ. It's the one thing that's going to stand the test of all of eternity. Your name may not appear down here in this world's Hall of Fame. In fact, you may be so unknown that no one knows your name. The trophies, honors, headlines here may pass you by and neon lights of blue. But if you love and serve the Lord, then I have news for you. This Hall of Fame is only good as long as time shall be. But keep in mind, God's Hall of Fame is for eternity. To have your name inscribed up there is greater yet by far than all the Halls of Fame down here and every man-made star. This crowd on earth, they soon forget the heroes of the past. They cheer like mad until you fall, and that's how long you last. But God, he never does forget, and in his hall of fame, by just believing in his son, inscribed you'll find your name. I'll tell you, friend, I wouldn't trade my name, however small, that's written there beyond the stars in that celestial hall for any famous name on earth or glory that they share. I'd rather be an unknown here and have my name up there. And when you know your name is there and you know what that means, you want everybody else to know Jesus too. Remember one thing. Remember what happened to Jesus right after he was baptized. The Holy Spirit led him into the, into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. When we give our hearts to Christ, when we're fully committed to him, then we have an enemy indeed. And he's going to shoot at you more than you ever dreamed you could be shot at. And you have within your heart now the Holy Spirit of God because baptism is not just a matter of being put under the water and lifted up. It's a matter of Jesus baptizing you with his spirit so that his spirit lives in you. And now his spirit reminds you of his words and you speak those words in the midst of your temptation. We have a great high priest, but he was tempted like as we are. Yet he was without sin. He gave himself for us. And now he lives in us to speak his words in the midst of our temptations. So that we might not be overcome by that sin, but live in his victory. It takes practice, perfect practice every day to live. Not in your strength, but in his to die to self, let baptism remind you what it's really about. Dying to self, I die. My old life is buried. I have a resurrected life, the life of Christ alive in me. And in his strength, 
He wins the victory over sin and over death and over the grave that only he can win. Only Jesus can do that. Nobody else can. I can't, you can't, nobody can. Just Jesus. It's all by grace through faith in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus and the price that he paid on the cross that we might be forgiven. Thank you that the one who was buried in that tomb was lifted on the third day out of death into a resurrected life that lives forever. And thank you, Father, for the joy of knowing the Lord Jesus alive in our hearts. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And thank you that now we have this high and holy calling and you can use us to point others to him, that others too might believe and be saved. Thank you, Father, that we can bear witness to Christ. It's like an exclamation point to our salvation when we're baptized. Thank you, Father, for that joy. In Jesus' name, amen.